Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. We've been in this series now, starting point. This is week number three. Week one, we talked about faith. I just alluded to that. And uh, we said the starting point for all of us at some point in time is who is Jesus? We have to answer that question. Last week, we talked out about the problem, the problem of sin. What do we do with sin? And today, I want to talk to you about trust. Today, I want to talk to you about trust. What's your relationship with trust? Do you trust people? Do you trust yourself? Have you broken trust or has someone broken trust with you? See, part of the human experience is that we, at some point in time in our lives, have to face our own sin, our own mistakes. We have to decide, are we going to just call ourselves mistakers? Are we going to call ourselves sinners? And what are the implications of just saying, yeah, I just made a mistake? Or actually stepping into the moment and saying, I have sinned. I need to repent from this. I need to go a different way. We all have to face that at some point or another if we're going to live lives that are lives that are fulfilled, that are lives that are effective with not just uh, ourselves, but with those around us. Uh, in the first 14 years of our marriage, uh, I, was, uh, I was in the restaurant industry, and maybe you don't know that about me, but I spent, um, I spent the better part of 14 years working, and if you've ever worked in the restaurant industry, you know that um, stress is high, margins are slim. And um, it is like you're kind of on call all the time. And so in the restaurant industry, you also often, you employ people that are, shall we say, their frontal lobe is not fully formed. Maybe we could say they're in middle school and high school. Great kids. I would usually trust people, and I still trust people um, as a default. I typically trust people until they prove themselves untrustworthy. And I just, I just remember a couple times when um, teenagers were in the kitchen at the end of the night there was a pile, you can't imagine the pile of dishes that needed to get washed. So somebody was on pots and pans duty, right? They were at the three-base sink, and they were cleaning, cleaning, and cleaning. They got tired of cleaning, these high schoolers did. And so I come around the corner to witness a high school kid with his, with his pant legs rolled up to his knees that had start, decided to stand in the three-base sink in the water, Stand there, and uh, there were other teenagers in the kitchen tossing lids, plastic lids at him like Frisbees. This happened as I came around the corner. And unfortunately, in those days, there were no smartphones, right? So there's no documented evidence of this. 
but should I, uh, do I need to tell you that my trust level of those kids uh, went down? I trusted them until they proved themselves to be untrustworthy. Food fights ensued in the kitchen, and I had a conversation with one of these, uh, uh, no longer a teenager, but I, I just confirmed some of my memories because I thought, you know, maybe I'm not thinking straight. And they said, no, 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 that actually happened. There was meatloaf on the walls, and you ended up having us wash the walls off as well. So those are the sorts of things that happened back in the kitchen at the restaurant and uh, proved that uh, sometimes Trust is broken because of our actions. So what do we do when we make a mess? What do we do when we create a scenario that feels completely broken and trust is out the door? Some of you think, some of you think that God looks at you and says, Clean up what you mess up. Clean up what you mess up. I'm out. You have that sort of a relationship with maybe authority or God himself. Clean up what you mess up. I can't deal with you anymore. I think we've said that to our kids before when they were little. Go to your room, clean up your room, close the door, I'm out. You tell me when you're done. Sometimes that's necessary, right? No fault there. But that the way of God is to come alongside us. Say, come on, we'll clean this up together. We'll clean this up together. About 4,000 years ago, God chose Abraham. I mean, he looked around and he saw the ancient, in that ancient world, it was chaotic, it was evil. And God could have easily said, I'm out. I'm done with you. I'm out. But instead, he looked around and he saw this man. His name was, I'm going I'm to use Abram and Abraham and Sarai and Sarah interchangeably this morning. So if I'd say one or the other, you know where I'm headed. This is Abraham and Sarah we're talking about from the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. So about 4,000 years ago, Abraham was that starting point that God looked at this guy and he said, I think I can, I can begin the process of setting things right in the world. I think I can use Abraham. I think Abraham could be the guy that the genealogy of Jesus would come through. But, but guess what? God did not pick Abram because he was faultless. God didn't pick him because he was perfect. I mean, early on in the story, I mean, Abram is, is uh, married to Sarai and they're in Egypt. And instead of saying that, well, scriptures tell us that Sarai was beautiful. She was beautiful. And Abraham was afraid that Pharaoh would see her or someone would tell Pharaoh that Sarai was beautiful and he would ask her to come be with him. And Pharaoh would, or Abram would lose his life because he would claim her as his own, as his wife. So instead of admitting that she was his wife, he said, yeah, we're just going to say that you're my sister so that when they take you, I won't be hurt. I won't be murdered. So 
the story goes that that actually happened. They lied to Pharaoh. And this is the kind of guy that, that Abram was. He wasn't necessarily trustworthy in that moment. God could have looked at that and said, eh, I don't know about this guy. I don't know. You know, we can read that Noah was chosen because he was blameless and righteous. That's a few chapters ahead or behind us now in, in the book of Genesis. But we don't get that about Abram. Who really knows why God picked him? A quick read of Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. This is what it says. The Lord had said to Abram. And this is where it starts with Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. This is all we have at the beginning of this story about Abram and Sarai. So I dug in with some Hebrew commentators. So I'm going to read you a passage from this commentator. He says, when God reveals himself to Abram, it is both as creator and his imminent presence in the world. Now picture this. God has been hiding in the world, waiting for an Abram to whom he can reveal himself. In Revelation 3, at the very end of the, of the New Testament, we read this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. God was looking for an Abram. Then in the Song of Solomon in chapter 2, it's described, describing God's romance with Israel. And it says, my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He's looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. The sages tell us that God peeks through the windows. These windows are the portals of the soul that connect God and man, enabling him to interact with the brain and the higher soul of the man. Jump to Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner, living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who were his sons, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And now back to the original question. Why did God choose Abram? Well, we know God chose Noah because he was a righteous man, perfect in his generations. But when God was searching for a man who would bring the hope of salvation to the whole world, he needed someone who himself had already yearned to bring that message to humankind. God revealed himself to Abram because Abram was searching for God. And God chose Abram because Abram had already chosen God. Isn't this interesting? God is still knocking at the door, hoping that we will open that door, hoping that we will yearn to bring this message to all of humankind. He's still looking for the Abrams who will be a blessing, receive a blessing. He gave Abram three promises in his initial interaction with him. He said, I will make you into a great nation. And I will make you into a great name. I will make you famous. All of us 
have heard of Abraham. Muslims, Christians, Judaism, all three major religions all name Abraham as their founder. Now, obviously, theology uh, takes us different directions as we get past the story of Abraham and on into the Old, Old Testament and the New Testament. But isn't it interesting that the majority of us have known about Abraham. We've heard the stories of Abraham. His name was made great, and he would be a great blessing. Great nation, great name, great blessing. In Genesis 15, 6, Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Trusting in God resulted in being in right standing with God. How's your trust this morning? How's your faith? What do you believe in? 2,000 years later, now the Apostle Paul writes in the book to the Romans, Romans chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, God promised to give the world to Abraham and to all his family after him. He did not make this promise because Abraham obeyed the law. Now he's talking about Old Testament law. He promised to give the word, world to Abraham because he put his trust in God. This made him right with God. Is it conceivable that the starting point of faith is relationship, the starting point for relationship with God is simply trust? I know some of you are sitting here this morning and said, yeah, I knew that. I knew that all along. But what I want to do this morning is to take us a little bit deeper than our, than our normal perspective here. What if 4,000 years ago, God actually revealed this to Abraham, and this is like the lowest rung of the ladder? Just step into truth, step into trust. Begin, begin to trust. It's not some complicated formula. There's not a certain key that you have to have. Trust and be approved as a righteous person. Verse 16, so if the promise is received by faith, it is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father, father of all who believe. So he was promised, his, one of his promises was, I'll make you into a great nation. He's going to be the father of nations. He believed this. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. I love, love that sentence in that verse. Verse, uh, that was in verse 17 of Romans 4. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates nothing or new things out of nothing. How's your hope? How's your trust? How's your hope this morning? When you look at the circumstances of your life, do you have a high degree of hope for the future? Or have the last two years taken it out of you and you are completely depleted of hope? How's your hope? 
See, in verse 18, even when there's no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. But Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and, this he brought, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God would also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. There's going to be a graphic on the screen Belief is at the bottom, faith and trust at the top. So think with me, if you will, for a minute. God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. So we've been talking about belief, we've been talking about faith, we've been talking about trust. Our belief system informs our faith, it informs our trust. Faith is something that we have based on what we believe Trust is something we do based on what we believe. Some of us believe crazy stuff. Some of us have faith in things that should not be, that, that we should not have faith in. Even our faulty thinking, if we believe it, informs our faith, it informs our trust. So it's significant and it's important that we know that what we believe is true and that our faith that we have is founded in true beliefs and that the things that we trust are true. Trust and faith is only broken if a person's belief is broken. Conversely, the, our truth and our faith can only be repaired and strengthened if our belief deepens. If you've ever broken trust or if trust has been broken with you, you know that Trust is probably a little more fragile than faith when it comes to rebuilding it. Some of you have had people break trust with you and you felt guilty because you haven't been able to be back in relationship with them. To love someone and to have their best interest in mind does not mean that when trust has been broken, that you need to be back in relationship with that person. So if you're feeling guilty, sitting here feeling guilty this morning because you haven't been able to get beyond that moment where trust was broken, I think Jesus wants you to know this morning that he's in the business of healing 
But the person that needs healing also needs to be willing to be healed. So where relationships are broken, where trust has been broken, give yourself time for it to be built back up again. Faith is something we have. Trust is something we do. And both of those are built on the beliefs that we have. Okay, so if you're taking notes this morning, now is the time to get your phone out and start taking notes or a pen and paper because I'm gonna give you 10 principles for building trust. These have uh, been so incredibly helpful to me over time. And they're from um, actually uh, Stephen Covey. So if you've broken trust or trust has been broken with you, how do you build it back up again? How do you build trust where it's been broken? How do you step back into relationship? Well, it's not easy. It takes a lot of hard work. But let me give you these 10 steps. Number one, listen well. Listen well. Brenda and I uh, meet with a lot of couples and uh, help with marriages. We have a lot of conversations. And the bulk of what we do is listen. And if you want to build trust with people, if you want to rebuild trust, number one, listen well. Listen well. And you've heard me say this before, but it, it, it bears repeating. That when you're listening, you are listening to understand and not listening to respond. Not assuming what the other person's about to say so that you can respond back in a way that is uh, helpful for yourself, but listen so that you can actually understand what the other person is saying. Listen well. Number two, make and keep promises. God made promises to Abraham, and Abraham believed those promises. Abraham trusted God with what he promised. Make and keep promises, and... Um, Trust will be rebuilt. If you've made promises and you've broken those promises for whatever reason, step back in. Make and keep promises. Number three, clarify expectations. Here's a big one. Communication is, uh, is huge when it comes to rebuilding trust. If you've ever had a conversation with someone and you walked away and you thought, okay, I know exactly what they, want, what they were saying and you double back again, or uh, some actions happen out of that conversation that clearly, clearly point to the fact that you had no idea what they were actually saying. If you're the communicator, ask questions after the communication ends. Clarify the points. Make sure that your expectations are known. Number four, kindness and courtesies. All right, you guys. We all like and need to be valued. We all need to know we matter. And some of the, some of the easiest things we can do is, uh, first of all, verbalize our gratitude. But also, when was the last time you sent a nice thank you note? 
I mean, these are some basic elements that we, of, of relationships that we simply forget over time. We forget. Kindness and courtesies, number four. Number five, be loyal to those not present. Oh boy, this is a big one. This is a big one. If I'm not in the room, I know that you have my back, you have my best intentions in mind, and um, that builds trust. Because I know that what you'll say will, um, will not denigrate me. Be loyal to those not present. I don't have to tell you that if you've been in the church very long, gossip is a thing that happens. If you've been in any organization very long, gossip has a thing, is a thing that happens. And um, yeah, I had a fellow pastor tell me that uh, they got to a new church and um, they got a phone call and they were, there was a self, uh, there's a self-named group within the church that was the, uh, the, the gossip group or something. Like they were somewhat proud of this. The oddest thing I've ever heard. They disbanded pretty quickly. Number six, apologize. Say you're sorry. When you take the blame for something and apologize, my respect for you will increase. Apologies, genuine apologies, show that your ego is in check. Number seven, forgive. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know what I said earlier about if trust, is, if, if trust has been broken with you, Here's a, here's a big way of rebuilding that trust. You can forgive that person. Guess what? You can forgive that person even when they don't request forgiveness. In fact, I would say to you that it is your responsibility as a follower of Jesus to forgive even when it's not requested. Because the only person that is suffering because of lack of forgiveness is you. It's you. The other person probably doesn't even remember. He may not even know. He or she may not even know that they should ask for forgiveness. But the pain is there for you. So begin the process of forgiveness. And you'll begin the process of rebuilding trust. Number eight, be honest. Be honest. When someone is more known for their tap dancing than their honesty, you don't know where you stand or what version of the truth you'll get. So always shoot straight. Say the truth. Be honest. Number nine, show appreciation. We all like to be thanked. So don't forget the simple things of thank yous. And number 10, give and receive feedback. Giving feedback involves taking risk. You might be wrong, your perceptions might be off, but feedback is still something that we all need. Give it well and you've given a gift. Give it well and you can build trust back up. These are just 10 principles that will help you in your relationships. These are 10 principles that will help rebuild trust where trust has been broken. As you stand, I want to ask a question. Would you stand with me?
I phrase this question because I have to ask myself. At the end of the day, do I trust God? Do I trust God? My glib response, of course. Of course I trust God. Can I be really honest with you? Brenda and I have um, been sort of serial entrepreneurs and have uh, done a number of different things. Starting a church is one of those things. I've often said, when someone has said, how did you have the courage to do it? Like, or how, how did you go about doing this? I've often said, I'm really willing to take risks. I'm really willing to take calculated risks. Because someone could look at, wow, you started a church, you're four years old now. And you're making a big impact and you're doing all this stuff. That's awesome. How'd you do it? Took a calculated risk. There's nothing wrong with that. But God clearly said to me, as I was prepping for this weekend, I need you to trust me more. There are times when we need to take risk in which we rely completely in our trust of Jesus. And I'm just confessing to you this morning that I'm growing in this. We have a whole bunch of different people that are online or in the room. We all come from different places. Very few of us came from, like we're made up of a whole bunch of different faith experiences. It's been said that the way the leader leads is the way the congregation follows. Some of you have had experiences with Jesus that are very different from my own. And some of you have had experiences of the Holy Spirit's activation in your life in ways that are very different from my own. And so the way that I lead you is founded in my own experience. And I'm just telling you, sometimes I don't trust what God might want to do here.
among us. And I, I am sometimes, it, like right now, it shakes me to think that my leadership could somehow impede the work of the Spirit in this space. And more than anything, I mean, we, we always talk. Back there in the green room, we often talk about, God, if you want to do anything that we're not ready for, or that, that we aren't prepared for, or anything that we don't have planned, well, we just want to, we want you to do that. But I'm standing there going, I don't know if I want him to do that. And I'm just confessing to you this morning that I don't want to be the person that stands in the way of God doing absolutely anything that he wants to do in this space. I want, along with you, to step into deeper levels of trust to know that God knows a whole lot more than I do. And he is able to do a lot more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so I don't know what I'll do if y'all get crazy. But I want to trust deeper than I have this far. That's all. Father, we take these moments and we declare that you are trustworthy that we believe that you are who you say you are, and we are the people that you've called us to be. And we're on a journey, and sometimes that journey is long and hard, and sometimes that journey is filled with places where trust is broken, and sometimes we are the breaker of that trust, and sometimes trust is broken uh, by other people toward us. where we have been lacking in our faith. Lord, help us to remember what we believe and stand on that belief and have faith and do trust. God, whatever you're doing in this space right now, we trust you with it. And we believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of the living God. We believe that Abraham is our forefather, the one that you chose to bring about redemption to all of us. And we're grateful for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.